So I asked Pastor Barry uh, to do the offering uh, tonight, and um, I told him to flow, so I may preach tonight. We'll see. And, uh, but Pastor Barry and Amy Tubbs from Granbury, Texas, The Way Church, and uh, they have uh, not only been friends of ours, but uh, have been supporters of Boomerang in many ways, praying and lifting us up and other things as well. And, and uh, we got to meet, I guess, about three years ago, and then a couple of years ago, we got to spend some time together, and it was just really awesome. And so they've become really good friends of Nicole and I, and uh, she was really sad that she couldn't be here and uh, while y'all were in town. And they were up uh, visiting North Carolina, and they scheduled a couple of days just to come and hang out with us. So it's really awesome. So that touches me right there. So amen. But um, I just come on up, man. <laughs> It's like, apparently, it doesn't matter what we do tonight, it's going to be cool, so. <laughs> so, we just love you. Thank you for being here. Here, let me get it for you. We're, oh, and hey, Lydia. Lydia's watching tonight. We love you. She's watching with Nicole. Nicole's co-worker. Hello, Nicole's co-worker. <laughs> um, I want to... Uh, I want to be led, but I also want to stay within the, you know, I know your pastor's got a good good message, and um, I just wanted to, uh, oh man, you are, you are rock and roll in a human body. Uh, are you concerned about this? I was. Let's do this. It'll make you happier. Yeah, won't be on the TV. Let's drink to that. Okay. Um, and cheers. I uh, I wanted don't don't let me forget to tell you the London story. I was in we were in London recently, and that's really the point I want to get to. But I, I just um, when uh, Brian asked me to do this, I don't often do you know giving messages in other churches, but I've actually been teaching on uh, true prosperity in our church for the last. I don't know, six or two years or something, I don't know. So, you know, it's sometimes when you teach on uh, prosperity in a time when uh, there may be famine, there may be lack, uh, people get touchy about it, but actually that's the time when they need it the most because uh, in uh, Malachi 3, and this is the famous tithe scripture, but uh, it talks about how the Lord will, when you tithe and you give offerings, Everybody wants to talk about Malachi 3 with tithes, but it also talks about offerings, too. And so uh, I've told my guys more than one time, if the Lord, you know, a tithe is a, well, I just say it's rent payment for me living on earth and breathing God's air. You know, it's a dime on a dollar. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, my 90 cents goes further than my 100. And you guys have heard all this. But uh, he also, he asks about he says something about offerings too and the truth is actually when the lord moves on you to give an offering whether it's to the church or to somebody in line at the kroger or Charles food line uh you know if he instructs you to do something one he knows of a future need so he's getting you to sow a seed now because everything above 10 percent is a seed and but at the same time uh it no longer becomes yours when he asks you to sow it and so to withhold it is to actually rob him as well people don't like talking about that but it's true because if uh if if your name seth. seth let me have your your holy bible 
if Seth says that he's going to let me use this, and I take it back to him and I say, Seth, I want to give this to you as a gift, well, that just doesn't make sense, does it? Because it was his to begin with. And so that's kind of like stewardship in the earth. Everything we have belongs to the Lord anyway. And so when he asks us to do something, he's doing it because he wants us to have a future and a hope. Um, but anyway, I, I'm sorry, man. I don't want to. Uh, well, no, I don't. You're. Uh, anyway. So. Uh, and, and the offering is really. You know, people tell me, you know, I give my tithe here and I give my tithe there and I'll, I'll give it to the poor or whatever. I'm going to tell you that the tithe is consecrated unto God. It's actually consecrated unto the, ho- consecrated unto the house of God. And so. I tell people, you know what, um, give something that's yours to give. Give something that hurts you, to, not that hurts God. Because lots of times people do that just to feel good about giving. And, uh, and I've done it before. I've, I've screwed up. I've made mistakes. But anyway, um, so I just had a question for you guys real quick. In the first two chapters of Genesis, how much of the wealth of the created world, of the of the the garden spot of Eden in the earth, how much of that belonged to the enemy? None. First two chapters, right? Because it wasn't until this third chapter that authority was relinquished into Satan's hands, and he then took possession of the wealth of what existed as the world then. Now, Adam and Eve were only created, they were created to be prosperous. They were created, you know, the first command was be fruitful, multiply, take dominion, and subdue. Be fruitful meant to actually, was it, is it multiplier? Uh, be fruitful means to be uh, contributors to the society and the world around you. Multiply meant have kids that have kids that have kids. But the Lord told them, he's put this ability in us. He's put this desire in us to increase. There's nobody in here that will be honest with me and tell me they want to be poor. Right? Because I mean, if you do, I can help you with it. Bring me your account number. Bring me all your cash. Bring me your holdings and everything. I can help you get poor real quick. And you can, so some people think that's close to God, but that's that's baloney. Yeah. Nothing could be further from the truth. Right. Nothing could be further from because the first thing he said was be fruitful, yeah. multiply, take dominion, subdue. And so, anyway, I had this this scripture running over, running through uh, my head. In Proverbs 13 and and verse 21, and uh, the reason for it is because uh, about two and a half weeks ago we were walking through London, and while I believe that I have a, a message on prosperity and I'm I'm breaking the ceiling of my mind, you, you have to, you, your heart is already prosperous, your heart is already there, um, and as I started teaching on this message, I started uh, I got some con I got some some flack from people talking about Jesus wasn't rich and stuff like that. And actually, if you, if you really study it out, Moses, Joshua, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, all these guys were millionaires. And actually, the word millionaire just means abundance and happiness. It does, it's not a dollar figure. And, uh, but I said Jesus was rich, and people got upset. You know, he had no home. But I heard something really cool today. The reason Jesus had no physical home, because you remember when he came into the world, he was born in a shed. He was born, actually, I went to Israel and saw the place where he was supposed to have been born, and it was a cutout in a rock and in a, in a, in a hill where they would keep donkeys and livestock and such. And they said, well, he had no home. He had no this. He, I don't, anytime somebody wants to make Jesus poor, 
put your ears up and, and start really listening because it means that, you know, and it's not that they want to be poor. They just don't want you to be rich. Well, that stinks, man. Because if you know, if you know why you're supposed to be rich, it's okay to be rich. If you don't, then you won't be truly. But anyway, I, I looked and, and I saw that and I heard people say, well, he didn't have any home. He didn't have this because he had nowhere to lay his head. You know, it says that in the word and it's true. He became poor so that through his poverty, we might be rich, which those are physical terms for us to be physically well off. But the reason that Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head, a home to rest in is because his home would become our heart. It's really interesting. It's really interesting to think about because he lives in our heart, yes? He went to the cross. He suffered all that. He went through all that so that he could have a home here. And so it was representative of he never found his true home until he found our heart. And so we walk now in so much. And the church, Brian and I were talking about it today. I mean, the church walks in so much poverty. And it, it's, it's really ridiculous because we were meant to walk in prosperity. And so if none of chapters 1 and 2 of the wealth of the world was meant for the enemy, why does the enemy have so much wealth today when in the Gospels it says that Jesus came back from death, hell, and the grave carrying the keys of authority, he gave him to the disciples and says, I've got all the authority in heaven and earth, and I'm giving it to you. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, you know, and, all, and, the, and the great commandment, or great commission. So if he has all authority, someone has no authority. So Satan has no authority anymore. He only has the authority that you relent to him, that you give to him, uh, and that's your belief system. If you believe he can do something, then he can do it only by the power that resides in you that was given to you by God, but we relinquish it back to him. Okay, and so what the way that I see it is, and I always go back and read Genesis. It's an awesome book, and it shows you it's the law of the first, the first command, and it shows you how you're supposed to live. And so when Jesus came and he took, am I okay? When Jesus came and he took authority back, he gave it to us because he wanted to exercise in the earth. I hear people... I hear people say a lot, God's in control. If he's in control, he's doing a really terrible job. It's true. He, he, he's just really asleep at the wheel, you know, and, uh, and all the angels too. But the truth is that he gave us control. He gave us the earth to take back because he gave us the authority. Now, he could put his face in the cloud tomorrow and there not be an atheist left. But he's not going to do that because he put our face in the earth. And so um, when Jesus came and gave us the authority back, he not only gave us salvation, eternal life, but he gave us healing. He gave us divine life. He gave us prosperity. And the very first command that he gave, uh, was it Isaiah 53 or 61? Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 61. And then he said it in Luke 4, 18. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to minister good news to the poor it's the first thing he says do you know that there are fourth almost four thousand references in the bible on wealth there's more references on the in the bible on wealth and prosperity than there are on love and faith 
because I believe Jesus knew, the Father knew, we were going to have issues with it. Because there's so much deception in the body of Christ about wealth. But wealth is not a bad thing. Um, you're standing behind somebody at the food line and, and it's a little mother and she's got three kids pulling on her and she didn't have enough money to get, you know, all the groceries. And she's only buying six to $8 in groceries, but she's only got $50 in a pocket and your heart breaks because you want her to have the milk and this and that. And you just want to, you want to pull the money. Anybody in here, I bet would want to pull the money out of their pocket because you're givers. You would want to do that for her. But if you don't have the money in your pocket, you can't do it because you can't give what you don't have. And, so God puts us in the earth. Deuteronomy 8.18 says he's put us, that, that uh, he's given us the power to get wealth so that we may establish his covenant in the earth. So evidently part of God's covenant is wealth because it takes it to establish it. And so anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry I'm getting off. Preachers preach. Fish swim. Bears eat people. And pe- preachers preach. <laughs> Don't feed the bear, anyway. So, what, London. Okay, so what you have to realize is that, sorry. What you have to realize is that everything in your life, the outworking of everything in your life comes from a mindset that you hold, a stronghold in your mind. Proverbs says, a wise man scales the the walls of the city and tears down the stronghold in which they trust. Trust is a huge word. Uh, trust, you know, we say we trust God, but do we really? Do we really trust what he says? Because Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24 says, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them, you shall have them. But do we really believe it when we ask? Now, granted, we have to, we have to ask in line with God's will. Because anything that we ask outside of God's will, I believe, is probably demonic in nature. Anything, any humanity without Jesus at the center is demonic in nature. But with Jesus in the center, your line wills up. Your line, your will lines up with God's will. That's what it means to repent. Repent means to align your thinking with His. You actually have a heavenly perspective. I was in, we were in Hungary just a few, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, and I was speaking to a bunch of Hungarian people, and I was talking to them about perspective and how your perspective changes the higher up on the ladder that you go. Like right now, I mean, I can see most everybody in the room. I can't see the lady on the very back. Now she pokes her head out and I can see her. However, if I, had, if I stood up in a chair, I could see her face. See, there's a perspective of heaven that we can't see until we get higher. And so God's calling us to a higher place. He's calling us to get higher. And so as we get higher, our perspective changes. Not only can you see what's closer to you better, but you can see further in the distance. And so when you're having a financial crisis in your life, but you have a heavenly perspective, you realize that the crisis is temporary, but the permanency, the, the, the fact is changed by the truth. Because the truth is, that you, you have more than, more than enough. The same God that provided Abraham with so much livestock, so many maid servants and gold and all the rest of it that he and Lot had to separate, that same God provides for you. But you have to get the perspective of heaven to see that. And see, we've been seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Haven't we? And, but, you know, you just, 
what I what I realize is that I have to be willing to receive. I, I I've had truth in my life, but then there's greater truth. Yeah. The the truth of God's word is it's almost as if you could see it as a linear thing, linear just as I can see right now. But I've read Proverbs. I don't know how many pastor and I were talking about. It. I don't know how many times I've read Proverbs, and every time I read it, I get more. Yeah. It's almost because it's a living book. But the Bible is only only ink and paper and, you know, a step to get it to the top of the refrigerator if it doesn't get inside you because that's the only place it becomes living is inside you. Otherwise, it's just a dead book. And, uh, you know, it's like reading a, you know, I don't know, some novel, Moby Dick. I mean, it's, it's, it's that powerful. If you don't get it in you and the word doesn't become living inside you, there's three types of word. There's a graphe word that's written. There's a logos word which becomes written on your heart. And then there's a rhema word which comes out of your spirit out of your mouth and so but the the more i read proverbs the higher i walk or the higher i get on the ladder and so the greater my perspective becomes and i i gain the perspective of heaven repent means and i repent all the time i don't know about anybody else and it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean i've sinned sometimes i just need to repent for old thinking patterns that are wrong like lack and unbelief if god's done a financial victory in your life if he's done something for you where he pulled your honey out of the fire then you don't actually have any right to go back to a lack source for your mindset and for your heart you have to stay at the place you have to stay in your progression and so it's from faith to faith and glory to glory repent means to return to the penthouse in any building the penthouse is the highest part of the building where you can see down and you can see in the 365 365 degrees that's that's wrong yeah i know i just figured i'd be stupid anyway but you could see all the way around you and we've been called to a higher place we've been called to that place because jesus said he wants us to sit with him next to the right hand of the father we're called his brothers we're called the sons and daughters of god it's time we act like it it's time we think like it and so we have to change our perspective. We have to repent. Repent, yeah, it can mean coming down to the altar crying and belly aching and, and boo-hooing and it's not running out of your nose and all the rest of that. Yes, it can mean that, but it's only a part. It's only a part because most of the time that's associated with sin in your life and coming back to God. And you don't want to always be in sin to have to repent. Does that make sense? Okay. So the scripture that always kind of jacked with me and i'd get i'd get excited about it and i'd yell about it and I'd, yeah praise god you know and all this kind of stuff <clears throat> there's a lot of people that can play church well and then there's people that that really believe um and there's people that are just trying you know and just aren't there yet and i'm one of those I, i'm trying i don't have it all yet but i haven't arrived but like andrew womack says i've left and so <laughs> i'm not where i used to be and I've seen the fruit of this. I've seen these things happen. Now, I'm, I am believing that I'm talking to a bunch of tithers in here. And that you are, uh, you believe in that. That you believe that it's not an Old Testament principle or that it's an Old Covenant principle. Which, it was indoctrinated into the Old Covenant, but it came almost 400 years, 400 years? 400 years before it with Abraham. And, you know, here's, I told Jesus, nice being not in your own church because you can just say just about anything you want. But it really doesn't change anything because I say about whatever I want to my own people. But 
people who talk about it's old covenant or Jesus was poor or whatever, they're stingy. They're just usually stingy people, and they want to find a way not to give to God. Because it's not, you're not given to Brian anymore. You're not given to me anymore. You're given to God now because in, Mal- in, uh, in uh, uh, Genesis 15 is when the tithe, I think it's 15 is when the tithe was introduced by Melchizedek. Melchizedek came out of nowhere. No father, no mother. I mean, he came out of nowhere. He's a type and shadow of Jesus because in Hebrews 5, 6, 7, 8, it talks about Jesus as a high priest forever in the order of the line of Melchizedek. Kizdek, and the only thing Melchizedek did was take up a tithe. And it says that he's our high priest. When you, in the Old Testament, if you went to your high priest, it was so that he could go to God on behalf of you. But we no longer have that because Jesus tore the veil in two. I heard Ken Helser say today, I don't think that the veil tearing in two is as much for us to get in as for God to get out. Because God's confined by man because he won't override free will. And so, <laughs> it's so funny. Anyway, it, it, he wants out. You know, the Holy Spirit lives in you, but he really, really wants out. Don't worry, though, he won't leave you. Some people are freaking out. If he leaves me, what's going to happen? <laughs> no, you get white knuckles, start thinking about it. It's just like when Jesus was uh, headed to heal Jairus' daughter and the uh, the lady came uh, uh, with the issue of blood, and she says, I know if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed, because she had heard, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, well, she had heard of the healing of Jesus. She reached in and touched his garment. She was healed, and she snuck out like the cat ate the canary until Jesus knew something had left him. But Jesus' virtue meter didn't go down. His anointing didn't leave. He said, I, I sense that virtue has gone from me. However... The best way to get more anointing is to give the anointing you have away. Because given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men and women give under your bosom with the same measure that you measure out is how it's going to be measured back to you. So if you want God to take shovel loads and measure back to you, you need to give shovel loads to him instead of a teaspoon. There's a story of a, a pauper it was at the city gate, and his people would come in, he'd beg for money, beg for money. And a prince came in. He thought, oh, I got a good, I got a good try here. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna eat good tonight. And so he, he yells at the prince, "Give me some money! Give me some money!" And the prince looks down and says, "What do you have?" And he says, "Well, I've got this bowl of rice." And the prince, he says to the prince, um, "You know, this is this is all I have." And the prince says, "Well, give me some of your grains of rice." And the beggar looks at him like, "You got to be crazy! You're the prince. Why would I give you this?" But he says, reluctantly, he took three grains of rice out and put it in the prince's hand. The prince turns around, gets a bag of gold, and takes three gold nuggets out and puts it in his hand. With the same measure you measure out, it's how it's measured back to you. God doesn't determine our standard. He doesn't determine our wealth. We do. He's put it in our hand. Just, be, you know, just like the guy, the parables of the talents, the one, the, one, the two, and the five. You remember that story? See, those are both New Testament. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> See, the one, the, the one, the two, and the five, the two and the five doubled theirs. And the guy that got one, because the talent was a portion of money, it was a, I don't know you guys have heard, heard, heard all this probably. I'm probably just um, preaching to the choir, so to speak. But if you, if you look at that, it says that when the, when, when the master came back, 
the other, the guys came to give an account. You're going to give an account for the talents you've been given. You're also going to give an account for how you financially combined yourself with God, how you aligned yourself with him. And so, and I, I believe that. You know why the world didn't save? Because Christians are tight, tight wads. Because there's plenty of missionaries wanting to go. My wife's looking at me like I need to... Sh- yeah. I, I st- he said three to five minutes, and I've got 30 seconds left. <laughs> I know. I feel really... <sighs> no, it's... It's good. I, I know, but anyway... What was I saying? Christians are tightwads. <laughs> we need to not be. We need to become not tightwads, because you know, going to all the world preaches the gospel, but it, it takes money to go. It takes money to send. Anyway, so I was in London, and um, and I'm walking down this street, and so we London is extremely diverse it is the face of london has changed in the last 10 to 15 years um, mainly because there are so many people that have come from other countries and brought their belief systems and their things into london london's allowed it or england has allowed it however i do think they're getting fed up with it a little bit but uh, you know be careful with satan because it only takes a little bit of him to get a whole lot of your space that belongs to God anyway. It's, um, it's permissive. The more permissive we are, the more space we lose that belongs to God. Because God can only fill the space that you give him. Because yeah. he, he's not going to override your will. So we're walking down the street, and we start seeing these really, really nice cars, like Bugatti level. Anybody heard of a Bugatti? Yeah. It's muy expensive. It's a, it's Costs as much as it sounds. And so it's like, it's like a Ferrari on steroids. It's like a really, really nice car. And you know the interesting thing? God doesn't mind you even having a Bugatti as long as it doesn't have you. But you see these cars, Rolls Royce, all these Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Lotus, all these different cars parked on the street. If I had a car like that, I'd have it in a safe if I wasn't driving it. I mean, I'd have a garage or something, but... What happened is that over the years, Middle Eastern sheiks, Middle Eastern oil barons and people like that have come over into England and they have driven the property prices so high right now that the house we stayed in, which is maybe 1,500 square feet, is worth about $2 million. And it's not even in the hot part of London. And so and it astounded me. But here's, here's what happened. As I'm walking, I'm walking behind Amy and another lady that's leading us around. I start looking at these shops. I'm starting to see these cars, and this lady's telling us these things. These guys will uh, be out in the, in the desert, you know, and uh, at their, in their palace or, or whatever it is, and they'll, they'll call their, you know, their, their assistant and say, hey, I want you to load up the Ferrari and the Lamborghini and the jet, and I want to fly over to London and shop for a few days. Uh-huh. And so she's telling me this, and I'm like, Okay, I've hit my ceiling for prosperity. A hard, thick ceiling. Because I'm like, see, the first thought, the first thing that comes into my head is, I could never. So my mental capacity to receive that kind of wealth is capped off. And I think, I could never. These sorry, stinking, sinner, 
scummy earth. And that comes out too in that because what you don't think you deserve, you will despise. You, you'll spit on it. You'll say, oh, sorry, sinners are going to go to hell and all this. You know, you'll start getting this. Men, and you, some people are looking at me like, you know, righteous, but you'd do it if you, you were there with me. So we'd be talking about it too. <laughs> Figuring out, you know, pulling our pocket knife out and going, poking those tires. And make, anyway, actually, you can't, you can't carry a knife in England, which is wrong. Wrong. Your pastor gave me a knife today, a Damascus knife, and it, will, it is sweet, and it's going on my shelf when I get home. I'm going to make a space for it. Thank you, Jesus, for knives. But you can't carry that kind of stuff in England because they're crazy. You need to be able to protect yourself or cut a box open or something. But I'm walking, and I start seeing these things, and I'm hearing these things. And I hit this ceiling in, 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 my, in my prosperity level it's gone to the top and as i'm walking i also sense this just this great spiritual arrogance as i walk further into this area just a, a spirit of arrogance pride um you know just this real it was thick in the air and then we went into herod's anybody ever heard of herod's it's like you know it's it's crazy expensive it's floors and floors and floors it used to be an English store, but now it's a Middle Eastern store, really Egyptian, because it's owned by the Fayed. Anyway, the guy that was uh, driving with uh, Princess Di, remember when she died, and uh, he owned it at one time, and so he went in and changed the whole face of it. It's got uh, pyramids and stuff like that. But as I was in there, I started looking at these people and thinking, these people walk around, they come here just to shop, just to spend a couple of weeks, stay in their $40 million home. $40 million home that they're only in for a week or two out of the year. So I'm getting really stretched. And I see these people walking around, I think, you know, because here's the deal. When you, when you come up to something you don't understand or you haven't visualized or you haven't imagined, you'll have a choice to make. You'll either go, you'll start thinking, you'll start thinking sinful or you'll start thinking righteous. Now, we won't call it sinful because we'll be self-righteous in how we call it. But if we start thinking righteous, I st w w after I got over this stuff, I started mulling it over in my head and thinking about it. I think, and I asked God, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? And I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> Believe it or not, I had a point 15 minutes ago. But unless we're willing to break the ceiling of our limits, we'll never do the unlimited thing God's told us to do because we we do have the unlimited resource of heaven to accomplish his will in our life but so rarely do Christians really step out and do it every year when Brian comes for Southwest Blues Commission I drive around Jesse Duplantis I'm sure everybody here knows who he is and uh, Jesse makes no bones about how much money he has or the house that he lives in he's got a 40,000 square foot home which it it it, it, it almost it torques me a little bit to even say it. I've been in his house before it was done. I saw it. Um, but what you, you don't ever do this. Don't ever see a Christian get blessed for something you're believing for and in your heart say, why did they get that? Right. They shouldn't have got that. I know them. Because the thing that you think someone else is disqualified for, you will become disqualified for because you judge them unworthy to receive it. 
And you can't judge somebody else unworthy to receive something. You just can't do it. I mean, what's the point in it? Really, because you're sowing seed of judgment, and you're going to get it back. I don't want to be judged. And so I hear him say these things, and the last time I was with him, I was in the car, and he was talking about that, and then this new jet that he wants, $52 million. <coughs> you know? And, and I told him when I got in the car, I said, Dude, Brother Jesse, you have the spirit of stretch on you because you make people stretch all the stinking time. I said, I sometimes get irritated when you talk about this stuff. Man, why are you getting irritated? You just need to believe with me, brother. You know, and stuff like that. And I'm like, i like, really? Cause, and, and, Kat, and Kathy's in the back, ha, 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 laughing at Jesse or, or something. But, but if you can't imagine it, you'll never have it. We've been given an imagination, a righteous imagination, a godly imagination. And I know for a fact that he's given a lot more than he's ever got. And your pastor is telling us about the extraordinary story of your chairs. We're believing God for new chairs. I wanted to hear his testimony. I wanted to celebrate. Even though it's an old testimony, I wanted to celebrate. When did it happen? 2011. That's four years old, man. I celebrated like it happened today. I was, I'm just like, I, told, I was just like, ah. Oh. Yeah. We're living it today because a testimony never gets old. In the Old Testament, you know, the Ark of the Covenant was also called the Ark of the Testimony. The root word of testimony in the Old Testament is ud, U-D. You know what it means? Do it again. And so when we tell the testimony, um, uh, Revelations 19, I believe it says, I know it's in Revelation. I'm just not sure if it's 19. It says that the... Uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when we t- and the testimony of Jesus is not just what's written in the word. I'm holding an iPad, but you get what I'm saying. It's not just what's written in the word because the gospel's still happening today. Because we're still in the book of Acts. And so we, when we retell the testimony of Jesus, we are prophesying what will happen in the future. And so we have, we've had several people healed of cancer in our church. And so when we tell the story of someone getting healed of cancer, it means that that anointing is going out and searching the one who receives the word with gladness, as Psalm says, receives the word. I think it's Psalm 34, receives the word with gladness and humbleness and humility. And that anointing will ta- attach itself to that heart and it will kill the cancer in that body because testimony means do it again. And so as we were there, and I forgot where I was, but... Um, this is, I'm like, I'm like, I chase rabbits and squirrels in my church all the time. And so I usually wind up somewhere halfway decent, but, um, atmosphere, impression. Yeah. So I asked God, what, what's my mindset need to be? What do I need to do with this? Instead of despising it, I need to adjust my thinking. So. I remembered the verse, Proverbs 13 and verse 20. It says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. That's just a, that's, that's everything right there. You need to walk with wise men. Your pastor was telling, your pastor Brian, Pastor Brian was telling us about his Proverbs message in, in uh, Proverbs 24 and verse 3 and 4. And I, I mean, I'm sitting there at the table and I'm eating it up. You know, talking about knowledge, wisdom, and understanding the difference between the three. I'm just like, great, we want the message because I'm going to get it. I'm going to copy it, and I'm not going to give him credit for it. And so, <laughs> we, 
People do that all the time. Oh, shame, shame, shame. Don't take shame, but shame, shame, shame. Y'all need, it, it's really good. I was really impressed with it, so you guys need to hear it. But it says that he that walk with a wise man shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Everybody say, I am not a fool. I am wise. I am wise beyond my years. Did you know that there was wisdom intended for your ancestors that some of your ancestors didn't call upon? But if you call upon it now, God will bring you that wisdom into this time. Because there was seed my grandparents sowed that they never reaped. All a seed knows to do is grow until it's harvested. So I'm believing for that harvest in my lifetime. My dad has wisdom that I don't even, I, I, I mean, he's just got wisdom. And so... But my grandparents did, too. They're, they've gone home to be with Jesus. So I call upon the wisdom of my ancestors to be mine. There are divine deposits, divine grace deposits, that can be made in your life by those who have paid a price that have gone before you. And if you just call upon it, yeah. call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. The Lord is big. If, if he was a part of your, the history of your family, you can call upon that wisdom. You can call upon that spiritual heritage because the wisdom I want, like Brian was saying, is the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of the world. Right. And so I, I, I have an inheritance of those things. You guys have an inheritance. Well, you don't, none of my family were saved. You'd be the first one. None of my family were preachers. You'd be the first one. No more evangelists. You be the first one. Because God's called you to that. And um, anyway, it says uh, uh, in then verse 21, evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous good. Uh, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. It, repaid also uh, means restored. Now here's the, here's the one. A good man. Everybody say, I'm a good man. A good man leaveth an inheritance for his children's children. That's great. That's uh, grandchildren. So that means I ought to be leaving inheritance for my son Trent's children, for a children's children. God is into inheritance. He's into the future. He's not always, you know, we think uh, we just want spontaneous. We just want this. No, we want to be thinking about the future. We want to be thinking about head. He talks from, about the end from the beginning, and he actually has the plan. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says that he knows the plans he has for you, plans of prosperity, good, success. But we have to ask him. Okay. Um, <laughs> a good man leaving inheritance for his, children's children, for his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. So as I started, as I was walking down the street and I saw that, I uh, started thinking about it, but God's not going to bring the wealth of the sinner to someone who doesn't currently tithe because they haven't been faithful in little and they won't be ruler over much. And I'll tell you this, it'll be, it'll be like the, the one, the two, and the ten. When that landowner came back, or the, the, the Lord came back, he took the talent of the one and he gave it to the one with 10 that had used his time, used his, the talent wisely. And it's, it's entirely possible that if the, the guy with the one had used it wisely, 
he could have exceeded the one with the ten. Because here's what happens. You know, it says, the word says that, that uh, money, is, money is the root of all evil. Love of money is the root of all evil, not money. And it's, it's really interesting that God wants to give you the very thing that could kill you. Because money, I'm serious, it prob- I don't know how I would react if a billion dollars dropped in my lap. Money has a way of changing people. This, this inanimate object has a way of changing the spiritual course of people's lives. And so we have to learn to be faithful with little so that when this time comes, because this time is coming, and I, every day we live, we get closer to the coming of Jesus. A good man leaves inheritance of moral stability and goodness as they amplified to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner finds its way eventually into the hands of the righteous for whom it was laid up. And so the whole point, really, to what I want to say is there was no wealth that was ever given into the hand of the enemy. It was given to him by Adam and Eve because all the wealth belonged to them because it belonged to the Father and he made them in his image. They relinquished it, gave it back into the hands of the enemy, and for the last... 6,000 years, you know, I don't believe in, you know, the. I don't know how long everything's been around, but my point is, from that point in time till now, Satan has done a really good job of getting the money, yeah. getting the wealth. Yeah. I mean, there's another scripture that says that, uh, remember the, the, the guy that was supposed to, he was managing his, his uh, employer's assets, and the, he was stealing from him. And when he's stealing, he's been unfaithful or doing something like that. Sometimes I butcher Bible stories. But um, the, the, the master comes in. To, he says, you're going to give an account for what you've done. This guy, oh, no, I'm going to get fired because I've been doing bad stuff. And he goes back out, and he goes to one guy and says, how much, uh, how much wheat do you owe my master? He says, well, I, owe him, I think I owe him 100. And he says, okay, take that and only you, you owe him 80. And then there's a guy that owes him a, a bunch of oil, and he cuts that bill in half. And he comes back to his landowner, landowner finds out, and he commends him. I don't think he celebrated who he was, but the point of the story was that uh, Jesus said later, he said, there's these guys in the world that are doing better managing money and setting things aside for their future than the sons of light. We're the sons of light. We have true prosperity. We can, but see, we don't, we're not setting aside things for our future. We're just thinking about the now. We're just thinking about, and see, so tithing sets you up for the one is having to be open to you, but it's just the beginning. It's just the kindergarten, but it's the offering and it's the above and it's beyond. And it's the time too. I want to be, it's important that we know that your time is money. And so when you come here and you serve, I saw a uh, JD, is it JD? Okay. You know, I hear sweeping the, the porch today and I think, you know, that's just as important as what we do up here. Making the coffee. Thank you for making the coffee. Because decaffeinated coffee is actually a plan of the enemy Amen. to keep people sleepy. And so, but that is just as important as anointed as this. It's part of the good news. It's part of the anointing of God. But we often think, well, my job's small. Well, this is small. I'm just sweeping the porch. I'm just doing this. I'm Quit saying I just do this i get to do this because god looks at it and loves it he loves it when you clean a toilet nobody can see it and i guarantee if i know your pastor like i think i do he and i both still clean toilets if it needs it i don't go out and tell somebody else to do it 
and I've cleaned some nasty toilets. I followed behind people. This is what happens at church. Some people get filled with the Holy Spirit. I get filled with my wife. She, no, we do have cleaning teams, but my point is this. You never get good enough to skip the thing that got you to where you are. Because the thing that got you where you are keeps you where you are. It's the servant's heart. It's the, and so when we, when we begin to give and when God can learn to trust us with more, we've given our tithe and we have an extra $50 and we're behind the lady that owes us 68 and she's short 18 and we say, you know, I just want to do this for you. And we do it. He knows he can trust us with more because we obeyed him quickly last time. Obedience is immediate. It's not tomorrow. It's not the next day. It's immediate. And so, uh, anyway, I just, just, just an encouragement. I know I, I apologize. Well, but uh, anyway, praise God. Don't go anywhere because okay. they're all like, oh, my God, he's going to preach right after that. So if you stand here, they'll be more comfortable, at least for the first 15 minutes. All right? So that'll be good. Do you seriously want me to stand here? I'm happy I, I to. do. I like standing rather than sitting. I do. So I had an idea that that might happen anyway, so you're good. It was It was also, actually, I would say, woohoo! what was that? I don't know what it was. Um, anyway. You know, the Lord, he told me to have you do that offering as I was seeking him. I didn't get that till today, but I think there was purpose in that. And that you're not, you're hearing this for a reason. And even people that are watching, you're hearing this for a reason. And let me, let me finish it with this. This is the scripture we were talking about today. Turn, turn to um, uh, Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4 in the New American Standard, please. <clears throat> And what I want us to do as we wrap up is um, I want you to, I feel like that the Lord also had you saying that for a reason because as you're taking the cap off, I want you to be, I think you're supposed to release that in people's lives and it's not only going to release into their lives, but it's going to help you keep the cap off. And, and, and so I think he's got purpose in it. So, so this verse here, it says, by wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established, and by knowledge, it is filled with all precious and pleasant riches, okay? So this is not talking about wisdom of the world. It's not talking about understanding of the world or knowledge of the world. It's talking about wisdom, understanding, and knowledge of God. Now, what's interesting here, and I'm, I'm just going to focus on this verse right here. It says, by knowledge... The rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, this is not um, this is not cheap stuff. Now, is this God's word? Is this you know? Is this in other words? He is he putting? Did the Lord like put this in here to like tease you with it? Like, here's precious and pleasant riches, but you're never going to have it. But I'm putting it in here just to fake you out. That's not that's not what he's doing. Like it's in there for a reason, right? Yeah. And is it for your benefit? Yes. Is it to bless you? Then is this precious and pleasant riches that your house, your life is filled with God's will? Yes. 
Okay, all right. It's a good point by itself right there. But it says, by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So when it says the word all there, is there any part of God's will that's lacking? None. So he's trying to get not just riches in you, but they're precious. They're precious probably to him and to you. And they're pleasant. They, they bring about pleasant feelings, pleasant thoughts. It's, these are good things. But how do they come? By knowledge of the world? Knowledge of God. All right. Now, what Barry's been talking about the whole time is the fact that God has a plan for his people. And there's stuff that he wants to get into their lives. But if they don't have knowledge of the finances of God, they're never going to experience it. You've got to grow up in financial knowledge of God. You've got to grow up in how this thing works, you know. When, when he says earlier, he's not going to be able to bless somebody who, you said not a tither, and I would add not an not a offering giver either, because what they've done is they've taken the very small stuff of their income, and they haven't honored God in the small, and his word says, I can't and will not honor you in the big. So you can't have the big if you're not dealing in the small. Well, this is God's wisdom and knowledge. And what's interesting is, and let, let me show you, so do, are you, is everybody in agreement with me on this scripture, seeing what I've said so far? All right, now, here's the thing. You mentioned Jesse's airplane. I'm going to mention Creflo's that he was after. You saw, how anybody remember the figure that Creflo had for that airplane? is 60, I heard $65 million for the airplane, which is nothing to a corporation uh, that has big business. It's nothing. Uh, but all of a sudden, God can't you know, have these things. All right, let's throw that part of it out. How, mu how much is the world worth? How much is the word world worth? How, much, how many riches and worth and value is there in the world? You can just take the gold, just figure up all the gold. And I mean, we have billionaires, so we're talking about we have trillions in debt. So, I mean, just the, the world is worth a lot, right? And the 65 million is like a drop in the bucket to how much the earth is worth. Well, okay, now let's just step into our, our galaxy, right? There's billions billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy, and there are billions of galaxies. And there's planets that make up. We got nine planets in the solar system. How many planets are in a galaxy? And there's billions of, of galaxies. How much value is in creation? And here's the thing. You serve and are a part of the family of the creator of the universe who owns it all. Yeah. Here's what got me about Creflo's $65 million airplane. It wasn't that people thought he should or shouldn't have it. It's that their knowledge of the creator that they serve, their choke point was $65 million. Right. 
It's a drop in the bucket to the value of the earth, much less all of creation. And the God that they say that they serve and love and know so much, somebody hit $65 million and they went, no, he can't have it. Stop. And what does that tell us about the knowledge of believers? We've got to expand our thinking, not about finances. We need to expand and get to know at God. This is what our choke point is. Our choke point is a lack of knowledge of God. And you're not going to have the precious and the pleasant riches without having knowledge of who God really is and what he really wants to do in your life. And I've said this, and the Lord showed me this a while back. All you've got to do is have God break off a piece of one of those planets of some element we don't have on earth. It becomes extremely rare. It drops in your backyard, and all of a sudden you're a quadrillionaire from a rock this big. Our limiting of God is so small, and we've got to expand our knowledge of who actually we serve and of whose we are. You know, what Paul said in Acts, and of whose I am. I'm his. We need to expand who God is in our heads. We need to take the limits off of who he really is in our heads. Let's let's release who God is. Now tonight, uh, just to wrap up, if you need to just bust some of the limits open, Maybe you just need to, but you know, Lord, I've been holding you back, and I've been holding you back. I need to think bigger, you know. God gave me something specific to pray for when, for for us and for the church while you were talking, and and if nothing else, we needed that, and and I'm not going to share it now, but it it's one of those things where I believe God told me a specific thing to pray so that it can come to pass, and it's taken the limits off. So the question is. If you're in that area where you say, Lord, I need to think bigger. I need some knowledge of you that goes beyond where I have been, and you want that, and you want prayer for that. That's what this anointing is for. It's not just in finances, in anything. Maybe you just need to know him more as a healer. Maybe you just need to know him more as as your uh, redeemer, as your restoration. Maybe you need to know him more as your protection. You're so scared that you're going to get in an accident, or that you're children are going to end up in the wrong place because you need the limits you need the choke point removed you need the ceiling removed on the knowledge of God as your protector if you need the choke points lifted off we're just I'm going to have you pray just a uh, uh, whatever the Lord leads you to pray over everybody but then if you need something special or you just need God to touch you healing whatever we're going to ask you to come on up and we'll minister to you individually so if you would where'd that might there you go. If you would, that was good. That's a nice hiding place you had there. Y'all see why we're friends? And, and I don't want to hear nothing about how long he went. We're friends because of Revelation, right? 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 Good stuff. And the cool oh, and the hair. The cool hair. Mine's yeah. wider than yours, yeah. though. You're like the only person I can say that about. I just want the thickness of yours. <laughs> That's what I need the limit of hair thinness removed. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, I wanted to, uh, before we pray, it's always good to see the word confirm the word because God 
he confirms himself within the word, also in testimony. Baby, I'm going to need a, a mint before I talk to anybody because I've got coffee breath. Um, <laughs> somebody, somebody recently told us they were in a healing line, and uh, they uh, and they were getting a really good word from somebody, but they wanted to fall out so badly because their breath was so bad. We were just talking to somebody recently, and they said, I just couldn't wait for them to get done or for me to fall out in the spirit so I didn't have to smell their breath anymore. Oh, it was Benny Johnson. It was on prayer, uh, something or the other. Yeah, you weren't there. I was there. I was. It was one of our class, our school has this thing. Anyway, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able. There's also a scripture that I just read Sunday. That God, uh, where was it? It was in Second. It was in um, yeah, Second Corinthians nine and about verse ten or so. Now unto him who is able, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think, and that's it. He he can do more than you can think, but he's asking you to think big. He's asking you to expand the borders of your mind. And the easiest way to do that is to receive the vision of his life for your heart because your heart can receive what your mind can't understand. Your heart's a lot bigger. It's a lot more vast than your mind is, but your mind can catch up because we're to renew it every day by the word. So that word exceeding abundantly in Greek is huparek pariso. And it's almost, that word hooper is almost uh, similar to our word hyper. Pariso means what you were saying about the knowledge, the pleasant and precious. It's, it's uh, superfluous in quantity and superior in quality. So you put hyper in front of that. That is what God thinks about you. And it's not just... Like Brian said, it's not just finances. It's anything because there are people that need the limits broken off of their life for redemption. We got so many orphans running around that don't know God is Father, that he truly is, and that he has good thoughts towards you. So anyway, and then Amy will come up too because if anybody needs prayer for anything, we just – that was the one main thing I told him is we wanted to be able to pray for people, especially if you have sickness in your body or whatever. But I do I want to believe God right now. If you if you um if you have a business, if you have a self you are a business owner. Is anybody here a business owner? One. Any, no, I'm I'm coming I'm coming to you, sister. Because that's ex, that's specifically what I was thinking. But I, want, I always love praying for business owners because you need to employ more people. You need to be a resource and a supply to your community. And thank you for doing that. Whatever it is you do, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter because God intends for us to multiply or to be fruitful. Okay, so the other thing was if you believe you're supposed to have a business, raise your hand. Okay, one, two, three, four. Okay, now... I'm not done yet. If you wanted to have a business in your life, but some time ago or recently you said, I could never do that, and that keeps you from raising your hand, raise your hand. 
did you ever say that about yourself or think it to where it kept you? Do what? You guys. I could never do that. I just don't have the money. I couldn't get it. So on and so forth. Okay, so three categories. Business owners, people who want to be, and people who don't think they could be. Now, if God's put plans in your heart, purposes, dreams, pursuits, he put them there and he has the supply because he's the provider, he's the provisionary for your future. And not everybody's supposed to be a business owner. You're supposed to have good employees too, you know. And so um, anyway, praise you, God. So, Lord, we just I just ask right now that upon the current business owner in this room that you would deposit in him divine impartations, grace deposits, so that he would not only be a better owner, but that he would be a better, he would be more fruitful for the kingdom. And that he would be a resource to this county and beyond. For the people, the four people that raised their hands, just raise your hand. I just want you to, if you want your own business, not the ones that said I could I could never, but if you want your own business, I just want you to hold your hand out like this. Just hold your hand out as if somebody was going to place something in your hand. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask right now, uh, I submit to you, uh, and I ask that you would, and if you have anything, baby, you, you come up, um, but that you would send ministering spirits out in this room right now. I believe they're already here entrepreneurial ministers of the spiritual realm and that they would for everyone who's holding their hand out right now that they would begin to put in them to deposit on them those things the strategies the inventions the uh the know-how that you would just begin downloading in them a successful strategy for the business that's in their heart now for those that raise their hands that want it, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to write it down. Don't just have it in your head. Don't just, well, I'll think about it. You need to write it down and start writing out a business plan. What if somebody came up to you with $100,000 and says, I believe in the business you want to do. What's your plan? I'm going to give it to you if you have a business plan. I'm believing, told Brian today, we're believing for a certain amount every week in our church. And so I've gone and I've written down everything that I'll do with that money. So when it comes in, it has an assignment because there's nothing worse than assignment, less money. That's when I walked down London, that was money without a mission. Money needs mission. And so I want you, I just encourage you to write it down, put it up on your bathroom mirror, get you some sticky notes that says, I am a business owner. I own this business and see, because you own here before you own out here. You have to become an internal owner before you're an external owner. Okay, the people that did not, that said to themselves, I could never do it. Raise your hands real quick one more time. I don't. I could never have the money. I could never do it. Just these two? I thought there was somebody else. No? Listen now. Well, three. Shame will keep you in poverty. To not think that you deserve it. Okay? So... I don't. If you're in here and you you had those dreams, those visions, but they died, yeah. I just want you to take part in it. That's all. So, anybody else? Or is it just these? Raise your hand one more time. Okay. All right. I just want I want to say this to you. That the word the word says that 
where there's shame, God breaks that shame and he replaces it with double honor. And so every decision we make, every thought we have comes out of either fear or love. And we've all made decisions out of fear. We've all made decisions out of love. But love casts out, perfect love casts out fear. And so what I want to say is that if you think I don't, I could never have, or I don't deserve, or I don't this, or I don't, those are fear-motivated decisions. Psalm 34 says he delivers us from all our fears. So when you're in Christ, you are worthy. You're not in Christ. Obviously, you're not worthy because it's his worthiness that gets us in. And so I just want you to, I just, just want you to, just you guys just stand up. Now, just the ones that, I'm sorry, sorry, I need to be more clear in my, my direction. You getting this too? Okay. <laughs> he stood up on accident, but he's staying up on purpose. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Father, I just thank you for these wonderful, excellent, successful people that are standing. I think everybody in here is an excellence. Everybody in here is successful, Lord, that there are perfect employees. There are exceptional employees that you're developing. And maybe it's just, you know, things are going to be birthed in the future, but we're not there yet. But for these that have had dreams in their heart but didn't think that they deserved it, weren't worthy, could never have it, whatever that stronghold is, we just ask that Holy Spirit, you would send ministering spirits, those wisdom spirits, into each and every one of them and begin to, to tear down that stronghold brick by brick. You just begin to break it down in their mind and it's coming down, and we're replacing that with double honor, and you're going to have a stronghold of righteousness in your mind. I deserve this because I'm in him. Everybody say that with me. I deserve this because I'm in him. Now, I'm completely and utterly aware that apart from Jesus, I'm nothing, but in Jesus, I'm everything, and so that's where my confidence comes from. And so I just speak confidence in each and every one of these lives. I speak bright ideas into their lives. Oh, I believe, uh, look at me just real quick. I believe that you guys to keep a, a notepad by your bed because I believe that you're probably going to have some dreams, uh, probably going to have some night visions about some things, and you're going to want to write it down. Um, don't don't just have the dream and go back to sleep. Don't think it was bad pizza or whatever. Um, you good? Okay. And uh, But you want to write it down. You want to write the highlights down, the points down. And then don't share your dream with somebody who won't get in agreement with your dream. You can come talk to your pastor because I know he thinks big. I mean, I've, I've learned stuff since we've been here. We've seen things, the excellence, and it's, a, it's just awesome. And we're going to take some of that back to our church. But you want to write, you want to write things down. Not just because when you write it, it gets further in. You you ingrain it in yourself. And so, yeah. So praise God. Praise God. Young sitting. You got anything specifically? Probably need to close up. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh. So, Lord, I just I want to ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit in this place that that burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God would be 
go into to our minds and our hearts like uh, the tip of a spear, and then it would go up, and that those ceilings of limitations would be broken in our lives, that you would go up and you would take the tip of that sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that you would take it, and that you would actually shatter the ceiling, and that it would come crumbling down at our feet, and that we would look up, and what once before looked like a, 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 a low ceiling, we can, now we can see the wonder and the expanse of the sky. And we can see you calling us higher. Yeah. And so I just command that breaker anointing, that breakthrough anointing into this place now to break through those ceilings of limitations, whatever it may be. We thank you for it. You're a great and mighty God. You have put the command of blessing upon us and we receive it and we will come higher father and we will be faithful with things that you give us we will tithe we will give offerings we will be faithful father we will be faithful stewards of the things you entrust us with in jesus mighty name amen amen and let me just give you this as something to pray you know if we um in Corinthians, I think it's 9, 8 or 8, 9, it talks about the fact that you, um, you're going to minister out of the overflow of your abundance. That's what it talks about. So in other words, you can't minister to the fullness of God without moving in abundance. And you can't have abundance without the knowledge. And so Ephesians, will you put this up real quick? Here's your prayer for you to help continue breaking those ceilings. Because without breaking those ceilings and those choke points, you're never going to move into the fullness of what God has for you. So Ephesians 1 and uh, verse 18, or verse uh, 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Now this is a prayer by the Holy Spirit given to Paul to pray for the church so that they would start to see the fullness of what God actually had given them as an inheritance to give. He prayed this. He said, I don't cease giving thanks for you while making mention in my prayers. In other words, he prayed this so that their ceilings would be removed, so that their choke points would be obliterated to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the choke points. Choke points means you're choking out the life of something. He's a life taker to destroy the works of the devil. The anointing of Christ is to break yokes. The anointing here is to break that bondage that would hold you back from the overflow that would give you the ability to minister according to the will of God. Lord, let it be right now in Jesus' name. Let them have eyes of understanding the eyes of their heart may be open to the fullness of your inheritance for your children in jesus name amen amen Amen. yeah (laughs) i felt god on that lord we just praise you for this evening we thank you thank you so much for your life and your power 
Lord, thank you for opening our eyes tonight. Thank you for, for pulling back the curtains and busting out. In Jesus' name, we praise you. I just ask that these things would continue to grow. That your life, nothing of us, if there's anything of us in any of that, let it be destroyed. But everything of you that was in it, let it rise up, multiply, and manifest in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great night. Thank you guys so much.